Have you ever lost focus? Maybe you had a mission, a goal, you're trying to lose weight or, 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 or achieve a better mile time. What, have you ever been distracted from that goal? In fact, if you're watching online, maybe you put on the chat a time when you lost focus. You know, I feel like as a dad of three young kids, I'm constantly talking about focus. It's like, hey, hey can you go pick that up for me? Just, just bring that back to me. Okay, okay, focus. Fo- okay, keep eyes on the prize here. Focus, focus, focus. Okay, so after three and a half months of being online with our student ministry and figuring out how to connect with students online and, and more Zoom meetings that I could even fathom, I was focused on July 1st. July 1st was our first time that we got to meet with our students in person since the middle of March. And I was focused, and not just focused on that night, but focused on what that night would do, how it would catapult us into the camp season, which is my all-time favorite season with students, and then ultimately into the fall and into the school year, until about halfway through that night. And I lost a little focus. I was playing basketball with a student. He was crushing me, okay? There was no contest here. But there was a moment where I stepped and I felt something be a little bit off. That something was a broken foot. The next day, I would get put in a cast for most likely 12 weeks. That was eight weeks ago. And I lost focus. And honestly, since those eight, in those eight weeks, I have struggled to maintain the focus on the mission. Because the plans that I had created for the summer, for the reentry of our student ministry, for camps, for the fall, they didn't fit in with a broken foot. And the biggest challenge with my foot being broken is that I became focused on what I couldn't do instead of being focused on what I could do. I was so focused on what I couldn't do anymore that I lost track, I lost focus on what I still could do. Maybe that's true for you in this season. Maybe this last season has shaken you a little bit to where, okay, I can't do school like I want to. I can't do my job the way I want to. And we get so caught up in what we can't do I don't have the time, I don't have the money, I don't have the fill in the blank. We don't, we focus on what we can't do and we often have that long list. And I wonder, while we are focusing on what we can't do, we miss out on what God can do. And we've been saying in this series that you will either focus on your misery or you're going to focus on your mission. And the funny thing to me about focus is that it really can't be both. In fact, even this camera pointed at my face right now, it gets to choose whether it focuses on me or something else, but it can't focus on two things at once. But the disciples of Jesus, they understood this concept of focus. They were laser focused on his Mission, And it didn't matter what was going to come their way, and trust me, a lot came their way. But they didn't always start out focused. 
They didn't always stay in focus in the beginning. And so if you've been here over the last couple of weeks or you're just joining us and you're like, great, I would love to be focused, but man, it is hard. If you go and read the Gospels, you will see the disciples very not focused. And in Jesus' three years with, him, with them, he constantly had to repoint, redirect, recalibrate, and refocus them on his mission. It's why last week Dan talked about the importance of belonging to a group because we need those people that will constantly help us refocus, relearn, pick us up when we get distracted. See, Jesus was constantly pointing him to the mission. That mission, he tells us in Mark 10, 45, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus would leave that conversation and ultimately would lead him to a cross where he would die for our sins, Three days later, he would rise again to prove that that check cleared. And then the book of Acts starts where he leaves the scene. He ascends back to heaven. He leaves this ragtag bunch of disciples in charge of carrying out this mission, not to be served, but to serve. And they got laser focused. And we read in in the second chapter of Acts, Starting in verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. They were focused. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Hold on to that. We're going to come back to that. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They were pretty focused. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. That that takes focus. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. See, they were focused. And Luke, the author of this book, goes back to that phrase, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and he's like, hey, let me show you one. And Acts 3 is where we're gonna spend the most of our time today, and it is one of my favorite stories in all of the book of Acts. But but not probably for what we think about with this story. Let's, Let's dive in. Acts 3, verse 1, it says, Peter and John, two of the main characters in the book of Acts, kind of the star apostles at the time, went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. This was an ongoing thing for the Jewish people. They would make this a habit. You could say they were focused. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. What you have to understand is that if, they, if you were lame, if you had this, this disability, you had no way to make a living. You were considered unclean. And so some friends and family of these people would carry them to the temple because the Jewish people were required as a part of their religion to give to these people that couldn't provide for themselves. So they would sit in a very busy place. The temple where somebody is feeling obligated to honor God is a good place for a beggar to sit. This gate, the one called Beautiful, was probably the most popular gate. It had the, 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 the largest amount of traffic that would enter. This guy probably did okay. 
So he sit there every day, his whole life, he's here waiting for people to just throw some change his way. And when Peter and John are about to enter, he asks them for money. That's what he was there for. And Peter and John then looked at him intently. And Peter said, look at us. And I wonder, we have no way of knowing this, but I just wonder, is that the first time somebody made eye contact with him that day? Because like, I know for me, sometimes, this is just me being honest, when I'm leaving Walmart, I will avoid eye contact because it's easier to pass by. And I wonder if the Jewish people were the same way. But Peter looks at him intently. He's like, hey, right here, look at me. And the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. Here's how you read that. He thought his payday was coming, right? He was used to some change being thrown in his direction. And this dude's like, hey, you're asking me for money? Look right at me. Look right at me. He's ready for this. He's eager, Luke records. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. Like, I just imagine his whole body language just sank. Like, that's what he wanted. That's all he wanted, just a couple of coins. And Peter got his attention, right? I wonder how many people passed by him at this time. Is he worried about the, the people, that, the, the business that he's lo- losing because this guy wants his full attention and he's not even gonna give him any money? This is where it gets good, though. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. Hold that for a second. We'll come back. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. (laughs) Okay. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up and stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went in the temple, right? I demonstrate for you that, but my orthopedic won't even let me demonstrate that right now, right? Like, it's just not even happening. Like, this guy was lame from birth, and he, all of a sudden, in an instant, He went from being lame to walking to leaping to going into the temple for the first time in his entire life. Disabled people were not allowed in the temple. This wasn't just a physical healing. This was a spiritual healing. This changed this man's entire well-being. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God when they realized that he was the lame beggar that they had seen so often. So often, these people knew who he was. At the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. See, I've read that story a lot in my life. I've read that story a lot this summer. And as I've wrestled with focus and I've been stuck on a broken foot and focused on what I couldn't do, There's something in this story that hit me. See, Peter started his interaction by saying, I don't have any money. I don't have any money. The one thing that the man asked for and was carried for that very purpose, Peter's like, I've got none of that. And for me, and maybe for you, a lot of times the story ends there. That I'm asked, hey, can you help me with this? And I don't have the skill or the time or the resources to help with that specific thing. And I'm like, nope, I'm good. And I exit. 
But Peter sees an opportunity to contribute to this man's story and ultimately to God's story, even though he doesn't have exactly what he was asked for. See, Peter isn't focused on what he can't do or what he doesn't have. He's focused on what he can do and what he does have. And that's the principle that struck me in this story. It's why I love this story so much. It's simple. Use what you have to do what you can. Use what you have to do what you can. This is exactly what Peter did. He didn't have the money to give him, but he used what he had. He did what he could. And I bet, I conjecture, if you ask the man, he ended up okay. I think he liked how that story turned out. I think he liked how Peter contributed to his story. You see, Peter contributed in the name of Jesus to this man's story. And that's important. We don't contribute our time, our talents, our, our, our resources for our benefit. Really, we don't even contribute for, for the benefit of the people we're helping. We contribute for the glory of God to bring more and more power to him and glory to him. Peter wasn't trying to benefit his mission. He was focused on the mission of Jesus. And that caused him to use what he had to do what he can. And this story reminds me of my friend, Doug. And over the last three and a half years, Doug has been teaching me and showing me exactly what this means. And I would love for you to get a glimpse of Doug's story now. In 2014, I was working for a Fortune 5 company, which required me to do a lot of traveling, spend a lot of time away from home. Uh, the money was good, but you trade money for time and time for money. And at that time, Pastor Ryan was talking about CIY. I'd heard so much about how students came back absolutely changed. I wanted to be a part of that. I didn't have the time at first to be part of that, but I did have the treasure. We kind of both prayed about it and said, you know, I think we're supposed to sponsor a student for CIY. Okay, here's a check. You know who needs this scholarship. We did the same thing in 2015, 2016. In 2017, I had a chance to not be in the corporate world anymore, and I took it. And so I had a lot of time, but not a lot of resources. 48 hours later, Tyler Lane called and said, Doug, I know you've sponsored a student for CIY the last three years. Would you consider being an adult leader for the CIY camp and see what it's really all about? And I thought, Lord, really, 48 hours? That's all it? <laughs> Am I supposed to do this? We load up the buses. I went to my first CIY. We got in there on Monday night and the band cranked up and the bass was so loud, my shirt was actually shaking. And I thought, Lord, really? This is what you want me to do? Man, I, I'm too old for this. And I think the Lord tapped me on the shoulder and said, Doug, turn around and look. And there were a thousand high school students standing there praising God at the top of their lungs and raising their hands. And at that point, I was wonderfully ruined. It was when we had the call to start small house groups for those students who really wanted to do uh, and go a little deeper with their walk with Jesus. And so Tyler asked me, Doug, would you be willing to be a house group leader? And prayed about it and said, 
Absolutely. So my small group was about five or six guys that I got to pour into for the last two years. They graduated this year. I thought, wow, these guys are graduating. And then I went, wait, these guys are graduating. As this last semester ended for our house groups, Tyler called and said, Doug, would you consider helping coach and mentor our leaders, our men leaders, so that we can have more leaders and they can have more students? And I thought about it. I thought, sure, that sounds great. The more leaders we have, the more students we can get into these small groups because that's really where growth happens. In 2014, I had treasure more than I did time. Now I have more time than I do treasure. God has given each one of us something. Who knows what that is, but you have it. And as you think about and pray about contributing, I ask that you just stop, consider what you have now, let the Lord lead you, and then actually obey and contribute. You see, in every season, Doug has used what he has to do what he can. And sometimes that's supporting financially. And sometimes it's giving his time. And other times it's meeting with these high school guys through ups and downs. And our high school ministry and our high school students have been blessed in so many ways because Doug decided to say yes to an opportunity, just like Peter and John said yes to the opportunity outside the temple. And I've wondered this summer what miracles I've missed by not saying yes to an opportunity, by focusing on what I can't do instead of what I can do, or maybe better said, focusing on what God can do through me. And I'm not suggesting that we say yes to every opportunity or anytime somebody asks. But I think often we keep our head down waiting for an opportunity to run us over. And instead, God gives us opportunities. He gives us these gifts, these talents, these resources, and he gives us opportunities every day to use what we have, to do what we can. And you know what? Those opportunities don't often look like what transpired outside the temple with Peter and John. Now, side note, if you feel like you can make something like that happen, I also have a hurt foot, and we can, we can take care of this right now. You know what I mean? Like, we make that happen, okay? Uh, but most of the time, it doesn't, those miracles don't look like that here. But when we contribute our time, our talents, our treasures, God multiplies that in the miracles, into miracles in the lives of his people. In the season, I've seen those miracles of God show up like a family picking up food from a food bank when they had no other way to get it and be given food, maybe for the first time in a while, free of charge. I've seen it in students connecting with friends that they had almost given up hope on ever finding but God providing in this season. See, my favorite part is that God chooses to use us, his people, to see those miracles multiply in the lives of the people around us. When we choose to use what we have to do what we can, but they don't happen without God's people choosing that. 
Let me give you an example. Uh, camp for our students, our middle school and high school students, it didn't look like what we thought, right? But it was kind of cool. I've been in youth ministry for a while. I've never tried to put on or pull off a camp quite like we did this year. But my favorite part, there's a lot of wins that came out of it, but my favorite part was all the different people that it took and the giftings it took to pull it off. Uh, we had small group leaders, tech people, worship leaders, food help, cleanup help, game leaders, nurses. And they all said, hey, listen, I can't do this all by myself. And Eric and I and our team, we looked at it and we was like, we can't pull this off, but if we all use what we have to do what we can, we can provide for our students this oasis in a crazy season. That was our goal. And so, man, camp looked different. It did. And yet God still showed up in an amazing, amazing way. And we could have focused on what we couldn't, like, I mean, we can't go to Corvallis. We can't go to Seattle. We can't be, be with all these other, we can't, we can't. But instead, a group of people decided to focus on what we can, could and can do. And through God, we pulled it off. And I think of one guy, his name's John. And we asked John if he would come and run security for us. If you've got that many kids and that many pieces, like we wanna make sure that the right people are here and the wrong people are not here. I mean, it's just, there, there's an enterprise there. And God gave up two whole weeks of work to come and help us pull off this week to run security. And I'd be flying by him, usually on my scooter, to, uh, to get to the next thing and, and figure out the next detail. And I'd go by him and be like, John, how's it going? And he'd be like, everything's great. You know, smile, two thumbs up. I'd be like, thank you so much for being here. I know that's a sacrifice. And, and I always like, he gave me the same response every time. He goes, no, I get to do this so that you can do what you need to do and focus on what you need to focus on to provide an opportunity for more students to come to know Jesus. It was John using what he had to do what he can so that the spirit of God can multiply. And listen, there is a place for you to contribute no matter your time, your talent, or your treasure. And maybe in this season, you find yourself with more time than ever. Use it. Maybe this season has taken all of your time. And in doing so, you've seen the treasures begin to pile. Give it. Not because VRL needs more of it, but because the kingdom of God will always multiply it. And because in my life, I've always seen that God starts to shape me, the giver, more into who he wanted me to be. In fact, if you're online and you serve here at VRL, I'd love for you to throw in the chat where you're serving, maybe even something you love about serving. But you may be here saying, okay, I'm ready to contribute, let's go. Where? There's a lot of places here that you can contribute. A lot of things that you can do, no matter your time, your talents, or your treasures. Let me give you five. You can pick one of these. Let me give you five. Kids help. 
since we've come back to in-person uh, services at uh, Barker and at Otis, we have realized the, the immense need to walk alongside our kids, the youngest of our church during this season, to help them figure out this journey, to help them figure out how Jesus fits into all of this. And as a father of three kids who are in that area, if you serve in our kidmen in any capacity, let me say thank you. Thank you for partnering with all of us as parents to provide that experience and that growth opportunity. Some of you, though, can look at a pile um, just a mess, and instantly you just start twitching, like you want to fix it, you want to clean it, you've got Marie Kondo's whole Netflix thing, like, memorized. And listen, we're using our facilities in ways that honestly we never dreamed of at this point. And it's changing faster than we can even keep up, and some of you are like, man, I can help you make things more efficient. I can help you organize, I can help you, help you set up or clean up or whatever, and it's like, yeah, let's do that so that we can remove the distractions for people to come and experience Jesus in a really real way. Or God's about to give us an opportunity to partner with schools like we've never been given the opportunity before. And maybe you're like, man, I would love to help build that partnership between the schools and God. You wanna come and be an on-site kind of point person for the kids that are gonna come spend their whole day here learning and helping the, the, the CV resources and all those stuff and, and just connecting. Man, that'd be awesome. But some of you are, are watching online or you're here and you're like, okay, uh, great, I don't, I don't have, I don't feel comfortable coming in person or I don't feel like, that's not, I don't have enough time to like carve that out. No, again, remember, it doesn't matter your time, your talents, your treasure. There, there's ways to contribute to the kingdom of God. Let me give you a couple that don't even require you getting off of your seats. Every one of our services, we have a, uh, an online host. Uh, online, why don't the host, why don't you say hi again? Introduce yourself again. But every single one of those services has a host to help connect people, help connect them to their next steps, help them answer questions that arise during the service Similarly, if you come to one of our campuses. And listen, you can do that in your PJs, in, on your couch. You never even have to leave the comfort of your own home, and yet you can impact the kingdom of God in a very real way. Another way is, as we've entered into this digital world, man, we're seeing how quickly it changes, how quickly it can pile up. And maybe you're sitting there like, Man, their graphics could be better. Their website definitely could use some work. And listen, maybe I don't have the, 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 the treasures or the time, but like, I, I can't be there, but I, I have the skills to pour out. Man, let's use it. What better way to use those skills than for the glory of God? And maybe... You're like, man, I wish I had more time to do any of those things or, or, or a number of things out there. And you're like, in this season, I can give. I can give of my resources. It's never been easier to give to the kingdom of God. And this season has reminded me how our generosity furthers the kingdom of God. It, God multiplies it 
We've seen families that would never have been in our doors be impacted because of the generosity of you. Because God multiplies it. See, a mentor once told me, as long as I have breath in my lungs, God isn't done with me. And I believe that about you as well. See, God has given you this time, these talents, these treasures, and then he gives you opportunities to use them to glorify God and to advance his kingdom. It's why Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, for we are God's masterpiece. We like to focus on that verse. We forget there's a second half to it. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things, the good things he planned for us long ago. In student ministry, we call that kingdom work. And we've been telling our students all summer that kingdom work never stops. At VRL, we say that we all have something to contribute. So where's your place to contribute? Today, this week, this season. If you're online, you can head to our website, vrl.church serve, and find opportunities. If you're here at our Barker campus, There's a connection card. We'd love for you just to write it, even in the prayer requests. We'd love to connect you to this passion. And what I know is maybe the thing that you bring to the table, to the kingdom of God, we haven't even asked for yet. But use what you have to do what you can. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. And Lord, I thank you for examples like Peter and John. I thank you for their messy examples in the Gospels and their laser-focused examples in the book of Acts that teach us how to stay focused no matter the chaos. Lord, you know how the story plays out. Acts 4 does not go well for Peter and John. But Lord, would you keep us focused no matter what? Lord, give us, you've given us these gifts. Lord, get, open our eyes to how to use them inside and outside of your church. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen.